Hey guys, welcome to Cold Film Interview, the podcast where we discuss the films you love, but no one else gets, and we see if they still hold up. Tonight, it has become very clear that just because you live in a secluded lake house, hidden behind some fancy gates, doesn't mean that you're safe from golf club-wielding psychopaths eager to torment your entire family. Because we're talking about funny games. And no, it's not a comedy. So let's just start the show. Your Hollywood system stole our sex and co-opted our violence, so there's nothing left for our kinds of movies. <laughs> I did not hit her. It's not true. Clopex. 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 Up yours, baby. Me and Bubba, my little brother, listen to you every night. Where in the hell are we? I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. All right, guys, thanks for joining us this week. We really appreciate it. It means a lot to us. Please fill us out a review on iTunes. Two weeks in a row that we don't have them, and Chris is pissed. Who's so pissed? Damn it, calm down. Who's Chris? I haven't introduced him yet, so don't talk, Chris. He already did. Well, I said Chris. We all we all did. We all talked. Oh, all right. Well, fuck it. <laughs> So this movie, Funny Games, came out in 2007. It's directed by Michael Hankey, I'm going to say. Hankey? Is that correct? That's a weird... Hennecke? Yeah, I feel Henneke? like that can't be right. Hennecke? We'll go with that. Hennecke. Sounds great. Had a budget of $15 million, which I'm fucking shocked by that it had that big of a budget. Um, it rocked a box office of $1.3 million, so slayed it. Uh, it was filmed in Long Island slash... Austria and it's rated R and has a rotten tomato meters of 52%. If you don't know what it's about, it's about two psychopath young men who take a family hostage in their country home. As always, I'm joined by the cult film crew of Kyle Smith. Hey, how's it going? Chris Willenbrecht. Hey, what's up? And Michael Celestio. Hey, this was <laughs> Chris's pick. Chris, why'd you pick funny games? I picked funny games because, um, I I wanted to do something a little more recent. This was 2007. You know, we've been hanging out in the 80s and the 70s and the 60s. So, so went with this film. I don't know if this is a cult film, but um, the impact that it made on me when I saw it, I I saw the makings of what maybe could be a cult film in the future. Um, and uh, I I didn't think that anybody here had seen it. I'm not sure about that, but um, I wanted to see what you guys thought about it because it it actually made a big impression on me. Has anyone seen this movie before? Negative. Mm-mm. Kyle hasn't seen it. Mike, you haven't seen it. I have not seen it either. I remember when the previews came out for this movie. I don't even remember that. I actually do. I do. I remember. And you know what I thought when the previews came out? And this is kind of the the how I visioned it when I was going into it. I thought to myself when I saw the previews, okay, another Saul knockoff. I saw it as, oh, look, two fucking Hampton assholes murder a family. That's how I looked at it. Like, with their white fucking, you know, all white with the golf attire. It just screams like, I'm from Hyannisport. Like, <laughs> I go to the Pottery Barn. <laughs> like, I, I didn't know really. It, it's just... Yeah, that's what I thought of it when it came out. I I I very much remember like the posters for this film mm-hmm. so and like I. the imagery of it. Yep. And when you told me about this film before when you were about to pick it, I was like, I never I, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Right. It, like as soon as I saw that poster, I was like, Oh yeah. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I remember this. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, yeah, and, and you know, Michael Pitt's in it and I think he kinda you know, he's a memorable face that's attached to the film and he's got like a weird, like a like a punchable face kinda. It's like a Macaulay Culkin y kinda look. Like a weird like yeah. He definitely like, has a foot face you want to punch. Kind of a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Or slap. Wait, is that nineties Devin Sawa or nineties um Yep. DiCaprio. Which one was it? That's what I. That's how I yeah, related yeah. to him. DiCaprio. <laughs> to, to both of them. To both and, of them. And, like, oh, you both are like '90s people. I think that Michael Pitt is is looks like like he's an asshole. He just plays a really good asshole. He does. Like he, he always... does like a like a smarmy shitbag. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know. Totally. And that's that's to his credit, not to not to his uh, right. Yeah, not knocking him. Yeah. No. So I went into this not really knowing what to expect because I hadn't seen it, and I was curious by Chris picking it because it is a newer film. And I was like, hmm, this is odd. Why is he picking this movie? Hmm. And I, I wondered that to myself. We're going to get to that? Um, we'll get to that. Why I wondered that. No, and then the music played. 
Oh, yeah. Uh, I get I where like, you're going with that. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is why Chris picked it. I don't want to get into the technical stuff right away, but let's just talk about this opening song real quick while we're, we're opening Launch the show. Why don't you set the scene? Well, let's, yeah, let's be honest. It's, it's, go on. It's, it's basically a, an overhead shot of, of a family driving, obviously, into the country with a boat behind them, and they're listening to classical music, and they're trying to guess what classical song it is and who wrote it. Yep. And it's this this really fucking cheesy and kind of annoying scene that I found. At least that's me personally. Mm. Um, and then it fucking freeze frames and goes into this fucking rancid, like <laughs> screamo yeah. punk rock. Do you want me? Do you want me to insert a clip right now so the people? Yeah, at home we can need hear to. Yeah, let's, go let's, ahead. Yeah, let's go. Here you go, audience. Here's a clip for you to listen to of this bullshit. And there you have it. That was that <laughs> bullshit. I get, I get a weird feeling that we've just offended like 50% of our fan base. I don't care. <laughs> By calling it weird bullshit. I think you just offended the other 50% for yeah. thinking that they're part of that I 50%. Feel a little, that could I feel be, a little yeah. offended by we've it. lost no. all friends. Feel, feel offended I by feel it. I feel a little offended by that Go comment. ahead. I don't care. It's I think that's short, I think that's short-sighted. It's this terrible screeching music that you just heard. And... I was like, as soon as I heard that, I was like, oh, this is a fucking Chris movie. And I was like pissed, <laughs> you know, uh-huh. because you know, I, what I do, well, I do want to go back to you. You mentioned that the opening scene, you thought you, you, you took it as kind of cheesy. I also took it as cheesy. But the thing I did like about it was in the amount of time that it took for, um, you know, three quarters of the credits to roll. The director did establish uh, a semi likable group of people. Mm-hmm. It uh, felt like a Lexus commercial to me. <laughs> no, like, I agree. The NIS 300. You know what? That's not even that. That's not even a bad thing. Because <laughs> no, no, the whole point I, of I a car commercial is for. totally to get yeah. you. Yeah, and uh, I when we get to technical, we seconds. can talk about that. We can talk about that look that you're describing. Oh, did he? Did he direct a lot of IS 300? <laughs> no, I don't. Not that I'm aware of. Oh, he was big in the IS 300. Yeah, no. <laughs> he was big with Lincoln be, before. No, the, uh, oh, okay. I before what's his name came before McConaughey. Yeah, ruined the scene. Just dropped on the scene. <laughs> I agree. Um, I agree with your initial reaction to that, but what what once you watch the movie a few times, it it really does play into I think the overall message of this film, um, and uh, and it's the jarringness of it. So yeah, you're in peaceful car ride, you know, through the woods, and then suddenly it freeze frames on a giant you know title treatment that says "Funny Games" across the whole screen. With this music by Naked City, and I think the song's called Bonehead, if I remember correctly. And it's just probably the most obnoxious song you could ever write, um, which I think actually is a big part of, of the charm of this film. Well, with that being said, because I do want to get into this movie, because I actually want to talk about what people think this movie is about, because I have questions. Yeah. You know? We might have answers. And someone else <laughs> Most might not. have the answer, but as I've usually found on the show, we don't. Nope. We never <laughs> do. Never, never have do. answers. Never. I feel like people listen to the Akira episode and go, oh, they get it. And then they go, what the fuck were they nope. talking they're like, about? Nope, they're in the yeah. same boat I am. Yeah. Shit. With that being said, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll be back in the boat. You're the ship's captain, sir. You're aware that on board, the captain's word is law, aren't you? So what do you want to do? You want to call someone? An ambulance or or the police? I won't stop you. Neither will Tom. Right, Tom? Well, what are you waiting for? He dropped the cell phone in the sink. Why are you doing this? Why not? Hey, guys, we're back. We're talking about Funny Games 2007, not the original. We're talking about the remake. Um, Here's the first question, Kyle, I have for you. Is this a cult film? I don't think it is um, because I don't think I don't really hear a lot about Funny Games. Like I don't know if it's necessarily stood the test of time or if it's necessarily been picked up by a, a group of really diehards. And, and it really experienced it yet. So, I mean, it has the makings to become a cult film because there's a lot of like just weird shit going on, but I don't think it is right now. Chris, you said that earlier, you you did say that it has the makings of a cult film. Do you think it is a cult film now, or do you do you think that it's going to be in the future? Definitely not currently. Um, I, I think it, 
it certainly could be in the future um, if cult film kind of still exists, you know, like it, it has. I hope it does. Yeah. We're out of a job. Yeah, what the too, fuck but, does that mean? But I worry with the millennials and shit, dude. Like n- they're not as interested in film as they used to be. It That's seems. true. That's so, true. Um, we'll be we'll be reviewing fucking Netflix know. originals Maybe in like ten years. There's a lot of people out there, but I feel like they're from our generation that really like are into this. Um, and I think this 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 could be yes, but I, I don't think it currently is. What about you, Mike? No, I definitely don't think it's a cult film, and I don't think that this is going to ever be a cult film. And 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 this is why I, I have I have a little bit of what what you would call an ish with Chris picking this particular version of this film. Ooh, has an ish. I have a little bit of an ish. Um, I don't understand why you're going with uh, the the remake because here's here's how I understand it. Okay, if this film is ever going to be considered a cult film, it's going to be based on what I feel makes a good cult film, which is some sort of unique uh, attribute to it that fans latch on to. As I understand it, this is just a shot-for-shot American remake of an earlier film that came out 10 years ago. Shouldn't, shouldn't the 1997 version of this film be the cult film, and this is just the like American remake this is like this is like the, the ring, the ring, ring off the, of the ring. Yeah, right, right, exactly. Let like, the right one in. I don't really think right. that. I don't Hold really on, think before that. You, before you answer, I just want to say this. Um, what Mike really means to say is Bushaka. 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 He just Bushakaed you, just in your face. <laughs> I didn't Bushaka anybody. I don't, I don't so. like the way that sounds at all. <laughs> it doesn't roll off the tongue he, nicely. Uh, no. Slammed on the basketball <laughs> right in your face because it was aggressive. Go ahead, answer the question. I, I mean, I. Yes, I I want to agree with your your idea that the earlier version should technically be the cult film because it's the earlier version, but it's the same movie but, with different actors. Right, like, right, right. But that's that's my thing. So so I I actually looked into this too. Like, how many cult film remakes like have aspired to become the the quintessential version? Right. Of 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 the original, right? And mm-hmm. I could only think of a few, which is the thing. Yeah. Uh like maybe like uh uh like Invasion of the Body Snatchers or something like that. And yeah. the fly. Yeah. Like those are the, the only few that I could think of where they have they have overtook the original version. Mm-hmm. And namely because like the original versions were really kind of like bad 50 sci-fi's that got like an updated treatment and that really yeah. helped them like this yeah. 80s treatment really helped them. But this film, as I understand it, the original is higher is much higher rated. Um, the original wasn't even particularly didn't make a big splash, but I guess Naomi Watts liked it enough to produce it mm-hmm. for an American version. Like it's it that's the part of me, and I'm not saying that this is this is based on me liking the film or not liking the film, because there are things I love about this film. But um, I'm just in terms of us asking whether or not it's a cult film, like I I don't see how this version becomes the one over what should be like the yeah. original. Yeah, and I get that. Um I what guess language it, the original one in? Austrian, I yeah. assume. Oh, okay. So 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 I guess it would just be a matter of opinion then on what actors you like better. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I I've seen the original and this version mm-hmm. and personally I prefer this version. Like mm-hmm. I enjoy the performances from these actors better than I enjoy the performances from the other actors. I mean, while not, I wouldn't say one is technically better than the other. It's just my personal preference. Was this like kind of a thing though? Because I mean, if you look at like The Vanishing, that's like a shot for shot remake. But there's like a few things that are different. Psycho, they did the same thing, shot for shot remake. Yeah, but like, look, Gus Van Sant, Psycho is not. <laughs> no, everybody hates it. Yeah, they fucking hate it. And I actually didn't hate it when I saw it. I just said, oh, this is a shot for shot remake of not what's of not ab- a hip- Hitchcock film. What's <laughs> unique about it though is it's the same director. I it mean, is. Yeah. It's the same director doing his own film again um, and I think there's a lot revolving around the director that could maybe help this film so, to so that coming, status coming from uh, somebody has seen the original and this one yeah. like the biggest, the biggest issue I heard about this film was that it was shot for shot that's an issue. That was an issue. See, I didn't even think that was an issue with Psycho, personally. Right. I'm, I'm not talking about Psycho because, that, like you said, that was two different directors. Mm-hmm. My question is, like, why does a director do a film ten years later 
there's a part of me that feels like there's some sort of responsibility or where are you coming from at least a decade later in your life mm. that you might want to um, explore something further or do something new. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. as I understand it, this the, the, the issue that with, this, with this version is that nothing new happens except that the actors are, 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 are far better as far as I've understood. I have an answer to this. You do? Uh, you do? Did you see the original? No, no, I haven't seen the original, but no, I don't I need to. <laughs> I don't need to see the original to have an answer to this, okay. Okay. this question. Okay. The reason that you redo it, right, is because was the original the original was somewhat of a hit. Um, I think it was Correct? well respected. I don't know if it was a hit per se, mm-hmm. but Okay. Either way, doesn't matter. I'm a studio head. What are you going to do for me? You're a foreign director. I've done this movie, made a little bit of a splash. Cool, remake it. Here's the here's the fifteen fucking million for it. It comes down to money, and it comes down to do it in English so people will actually watch it. Wait, so so you mean so you mean this this director's entire like uh, his creative um, what's the word I'm looking for? No, no, no. It was for him to break into an American audience. His his, his yeah. entire his entire creativity is balanced on. The fucking paycheck? I'm saying no, no. I'm saying no, his, definitely not. I'm not saying his creativity. I'm saying the reason that this movie got a remake. I don't think yeah. so because I, I really do. I got the impression from this film that the people that probably wanted to make a re, to do an Americanized remake version of this film were probably people that really liked the original. Like they it wanna, really did feel like a right? passion project. Mm-hmm. It didn't. I, and 15 mil is not a big. I don't disagree. I don't disagree with that. But how do you get an American audience to watch a foreign film? It's much harder to get an American audience to watch a foreign well, film where the money is at is in the American audience. Well, yeah, but this is nothing new. This is nothing new. Like we do this to foreign films like all the time. Yeah. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. What? What? We, what? We? Yeah. But w- the difference. Yeah. There's a difference, which is like in we terms rarely of the, get the same director. I don't, we rarely get a shot-for-shot yeah. shot remake, though. There's usually something in it that certain elements are changed or certain character traits are are changed changed around endings change sometimes endings change yeah. like <clears throat> the the amount of like violence changes a little bit depending on the type of film so rarely is there a shot for shot remake by the same director I don't even know if there's any other time that it's happened <laughs> but yeah. honestly but I, I I'm with Mike I don't I understand where you're coming from cuz I yes I, American audiences for for whatever reason just can't be bothered to read subtitles. I don't get it. Can't do it, but I can. I, I watch American movies with subtitles. Yeah, I, I don't understand <laughs> it, but I get where they're coming from there, and I get where Mike's coming from, that if I was a director and I did this movie, and I thought, oh, okay, this movie was really great, 10 years later, coming back to to to, to reshoot this film, there's definitely, I feel like there's definitely a part of me that's going to be like, you know what? I want to try to just kind of move these pieces around a little bit different. Maybe explore a slightly different emotion in this part here or here to kind of keep it fresh. Because I don't think I personally, I don't think I would get approached like that and and sit there and, and be like, no, the first movie I made was perfect. I think there's always something. And I think a lot of filmmakers kind of always have that mind of tinkering with it. Like, I mean, Chris, you've edited a film. How many times have you like fucking redone an edit and like you changed a five second shot? Mm-hmm. How it starts and how it ends, like mm-hmm. that's just kind of I feel like the cre- how the creative mind works. So it it is boggles my mind that somebody would wa- that somebody walk in and be like, no, 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 it was fine the first time. Let's just shoot it. Here's the original script. Yeah, yeah. watch the movie and you'll know exactly what to do. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. it just seems like a strange path to take. I guess uh, yeah. it it does. Okay, so for me it doesn't doesn't because I'm looking at it from more of like I don't know, like I don't want to say a business end because I feel like that's wrong. <laughs> But you're looking at it from a commercialized end. From yeah, a commercialized end, but no, that, not that only that, all the but, time. but also from an artistic end too, is because if no one's going to see the original, and you have a chance to make it with bigger actors, and you think it's a solid film, which I agree, you have a solid film here. Why not do it exactly the same? I don't know. I just feel like there's zero creativity there whatsoever. Well, he's you getting, basically you basically showed up. You showed up on set. You you What's you, you probably one taked most of it because you've done it before. I, I, you're getting your uh, your art out to a bigger audience. Yeah, but here's the thing. I understand what you're saying that like maybe like the people that watch the Americanized version will go back and they'll maybe even watch the Austrian version because 
hey, like there was an original of this. Right, exactly. But this is different than like Scorsese doing like The Departed and people finding out that there's a movie called Infernal Affairs and then they can go see this Hong Kong version of the film that, you know, has differences and ha- and has is, ba- is based in a completely different culture. And it, you know, it, it like there are things about it I feel like that's a, that, that's the same thing. I don't think that Martin Scorsese, when he saw Infernal Affairs, was like, I'm going to do a shot-for-shot remake because yeah. I love the film so much. He walked in there and he was like, I'm doing what I'm doing with this film. Now, he's a different director than the original director. Yeah. Now we have another director. I, You know, it's, it's, see, it's it seems like when situation. I hear about hold on, though. directors set, talking about getting a second shot of their films, they almost often say... Well, if I had the option to do it again, yeah, I probably would have done this on. or this or that. If I, here I am. I'm okay, Mike. I'm Paramount, f- fucking Mexico. Yeah, but th- that doesn't matter. Oh no, no, hold on. I'm Paramount Mexico. You had made a film, okay, and I really enjoyed your film. Sure. And I want you to come and make it in Spanish. Make make it in Spanish. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Are you going to make a different film? Or are you going to make Pro- the same film? Probably a different film, because but that's not what I want. What do, yeah, I but, yeah, they but do. Th- this happens all the time already, right now. Because you if have, they wanted your original you had, film, you, they would just watch that. <clears throat> you, you but no, had, I'm saying as a, as like a studio or a producer or something like that. Yeah, but they do that all the time. They take like these, they take these Korean horror films or these Japanese horror films. Like, I love your picture. I want to make it for American audiences, and they do. And but they change shit around. That they're, they're not. They're not. Studios aren't so diehard on. Oh, I want it shot for shot. They want. I want the concept. Oh, I agree. No, I agree I with you. I have agree too. with you a, a lot on that. Except for with a lot of those films you're talking about, you're talking about cultural differences, yep. and that's, that's why they have say. to change it. And the story does not does not have the need to change the story for cultural differences. Mm-hmm. Nope, not at all. Does not have it. It translates no matter if it's Austrian yep. or American. Agreed. <laughs> Just to defend that point. With that being said, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about funny games. Tell your wife not to be shy. You just have to tell her to take off her clothes. Take off your clothes, honey. Take off your clothes, honey. Bravo. What did I say? No jelly rolls. All right, guys, we're back. We're talking about funny games. And here's another question I want to have for you guys because I, I, I'm interested in this because this movie's not... It does one of my favorite things in, in cinema, especially when it comes to horror. Um, I love when something happens, but they don't show you and they let your mind... Yeah, I yeah. think... Uh, I agree. I, I I think that not showing something is probably the most gory thing you could do because your mind will come up with something so much and worse. This movie is filled with it. Yeah. It's filled with it. Uh, my question with you guys is, what do you think was the most impactful scene then as far in this movie as it goes? Because I have one in particular. I'm thinking of particular, so... I think... I'll go first. I'll take that. I think the one that made me... Uh, if we're talking about like just like kind of like related to the violence of stuff i would say the uh the shot when she opens up the back of the car the dog just flops out i thought that was really disturbing and like i know a lot of people or some people are going to say like oh you know it's the kid's dead body but you only you only see like three quarters of the dead body and it's totally stationary the whole time so whereas a dog it's fucking ragdoll it It just tumbles out and it hits and it buds when it fucking hits mm-hmm. and i think that scene is also disturbing and i think the the thing the director did i'm gonna praise the director for is he definitely likes long shots and long takes and it's very yes, he it, does. the thing i the, it's probably <laughs> yeah, the thing does. i i think i love the most about like uh, sergio leone's like spaghetti westerns is he does long fucking takes mm-hmm. and they feel so impactful and, and he does that in this film and it really helps build suspense and helps build the feeling of um I don't know, uh, uh, anxiety when you're watching the film. And and I think that scene has 
a nice blend of all of that, and he's playing the warm, cold game with her, and then this fucking dead dog body just flops out, and it's like, god damn it. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. I am going to go back on a little bit, though, and say that it is, for me, it is the son's dead body. And not only because, you're right, he does like long shots, and that body is in that shot forever, and you're like, just take it off screen. Yep. Just take it. It makes you so uncomfortable, for me at least. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes me. It made me so uncomfortable. I'm like, just, just please pan over or something. Yeah. And when it finally does happen, you feel some sort of relief, which I feel like is kind of it's kind of weird because like you kind of get that feeling from the character, you know, Tim Ross character and um, uh, what's her name's character, Naomi Watts. Naomi Watts. Thank you. And her character because it's like the first time after like they're going through this terror that they actually have a chance to embrace and like hold each other. And it was much needed for me at that point because I was just like, fuck, man, you are that dead body is in that corner and I can't stop looking at it. And there's much more going on the screen, but I cannot take my eyes off that dead body in the mm-hmm. corner because I'm fucked up. Oh, and also, you know, just to add add to it, like the way they reveal it, you know, you see the body and then it pans a little more and there's just a huge blood splat on the wall. So it's like you're correlating that with the, the child's body slumped over on yeah. the ground and this bound woman and the NASCAR going off like I felt oh, it was very so, uneasy so uneasy so obnoxious yeah. like yeah. it yeah it really did i'll say that scene for me was super impactful definitely the first time i saw it because of how long it is it's got to be 5 minutes at least where she's struggling to get up and move past her son's body over to her broken husband you know who she then embraces and then you finally get a a breath of relief because you think everything's good to go, but it's it you know, and she's gotten away and she's going for help. But the way they build that whole segment to me, it was just like super strong. Um, Even the point of it happening, I will say another. S- I was not expecting the kid to go first. Really? <laughs> no. Another. Not me. Another. I did. S- sorry, I just want to go throw on. in one sorry. more one more thing. The uh, the other scene that that gets me on edge is the scene where the little kid is in the neighbor's house and he's running around and he's, and, and, you know, Paul's in there coming for him and he puts the music on that you guys are talking about. That's uh, uh, annoying. And it's just blaring through the house while this kid's trying to hide and he finally gets a gun, you know, and he has like a, basically a one-on-one with Paul. So that scene just like, I knew where that, I knew where that scene was going to go to. I mean, there's some there, there's some cliches you just can't no, get no, away no. from. And that's that's thank you for bringing that up because I wanted to talk about this. Here's my question for oh, you guys. Wait, wait, Mike, do you have any favorite scenes because before we bounce away? No, I I can tell you. Well, I mean, or I'm sorry, not favorite scenes. You were asking most impactful, yeah. is that right? Most impactful scene? Yeah. When 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 the fucking one of the brothers gets shot. That's to me. I mean, Yes and no. Okay, I could sit here and say that the entire the entire movie is impactful because the acting is absolutely fucking top notch. Like, oh, so good. What I like about this film is um, Tim Roth and Naomi Watts just like have excellent performances, and they react in such a way that I would imagine people would act um, in this particular situation. The fact that like Tim Roth, you want to know what the most impactful thing for me is Tim Roth just giving the fuck up. Yeah, right. No, I agree. Because That's that good. is such a realistic human fucking thing to do. It's so hard to say. Like, <clears throat> fucking son's dead. I don't give it. Yeah, I don't give a shit anymore. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, what, what's the point? Like, yeah. he's eating that bread. I think that's the most impactful scene. Is when he eats the bread, <laughs> as if to say, like, this is something that well, I need to keep sustenance and I need to keep strength, and then spitting it out as to say, like, keep strength for what? Yeah, yeah. I'm just gonna die here I'm anyways, so sick, and I, I want to die. Eat. I don't even give a shit. And yeah. then, and then, it, what's crazy is that on that same scene, he he's sitting there with the hair dryer trying to dry out the cell phone. He spits out the food, throws the hair dryer. He like hangs his head, and then it's almost like it's almost like muscle memory. He's yeah. like a robot. He just picks it up, and like the 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 emotion on his face and the way he's holding the hair dryer like completely fucking changes like in an instant, and it's just all like. Just robotic, doing the same motion, like just do this. Now I want to say something else. This. The two, the two scenes that you guys picked, uh, that everybody fucking hated those scenes. Um, there's a part of me that felt that they were. Now I understand that the film is about manipulation of the audience. I get that, 
but I thought that they were cheap shots, <clears throat> uh, low blow, not low blows. I don't want to say that Ch- cheap, cheap, cheap effect. Like, what are the two things that you can do in a film that always get the emotion out of somebody? Kill a fucking dog, kill a fucking kid. Like, those are the two things. And as soon as I saw that dog fall out of that truck, as soon as they were like, eeny, meeny, miny, fucking one, two, three, four, I'm like, kid dies. I, I, like, there's no other way this goes except a kid dies. They're going to do it because they already did it already. And, like, I already know where this is going. This is what they're trying to get me to do. So, to me, I kind of felt like that scene was incredibly predictable. And which brings me to my point I was trying to make when you said it's, uh, I'm cliches. sorry, cliches, is that... I think what I got from this film was that's what he was trying to say. He knew that you, he knew you were going to, and I was waiting for the tour. That's the thing with this movie. You're always waiting for the twist or you're always waiting for the people to come out and end. And he never gives it to you. Even with the rewind scene from when the, the, the mm-hmm. guy gets shot, he never gives it to you. And I think that was the point of saying, look, I know, you know, this structure, you've seen it a thousand times in horror movies and you think I'm going to give you what you want. But I'm not, and the bad guys are going to win, and we're going to laugh in yeah. your face the whole time we're doing it. Even because they're throwing out like sc- what I call screamisms. Like if you watch Scream, they were the cop lying about who they are and like this the different stories. It all comes from Scream. Like, and I was like, oh, they're ripping off Scream here. And I saw different parts where they were ripping off different movies, and I was like, oh, they want me to believe that this shit's going to turn out all right. And they want me to, they, they know that I'm going to think the dog's going to fall out of somewhere or something like that. Or, you know, yeah. like, I mean, the way they build it, there's no way you can't know what's coming. They like tell you the dogs, they bar- do. The dog is That's barking in, you know, it's incessantly. All, it's all on purpose and cliche on purpose because I feel like he's like, yeah, saying something about the genre in general and like I'm gonna give it to you, but I'm not gonna give you exactly what you're used to and exactly what you want. I do want to clarify though, Chris, you just brought that up. Was that I knew for a f- I knew everybody would know that the dog is dead. It's the way that the dog is revealed that I found was shocking. Sure, yeah, I agreed. I Be- knew it was fucking dead. Because, right, right, right. Because who do you? The second he grabbed the golf club, he's like, "Can I check? Try this out?" I'm like, well, "That fucking dog's yeah, dead." Yeah, I mean, she, it, it could have been she walked around the corner, a close up of a dog's body. Like, it could have been any of those things. Could have been something simple. The way they did it, I, I'm not going to say that I didn't like the way they did it. I mean, whether they just got a teddy bear from KB Toys or some shit and just <laughs> drop it out of a thing, I don't know how they did that, but it was pretty cool. Yeah. It, I don't. I imagine it wasn't a real dog's body. I, I hope would not. hope so. Yeah, <laughs> because this happened to me when I was watching it, and this was one of the things that I I found prolific in watching it. I should say myself was that you know with a lot of horror movies especially in general you find yourself maybe halfway through maybe Mm -hmm. at the end cheering for the bad guy because you somewhat feel sympathetic for him in a way no no or you you have some kind of like for that like you don't cheer for freddy krueger never I do. You don't cheer for fucking. You don't. You don't cheer for Jason. You don't cheer for fucking Michael Myers. Bullshit. You, you know what? You cheer for uh, him to uh, kill those annoying campers say- every single well, time. There's a difference there. there there's a, there's. There, I think there's a definite different difference where you have Michael Myers, Jason, and Freddy Krueger. They're all like brand icons. They're 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 almost like the brand icons of horror movies in general. So they're they're like your Cheeto man or your fucking cool spot. Of course you're going to like enjoy seeing the movies with them in it. The difference is when you take another film that is kind of a unique concept idea and they it's they not. give you they give you they give you a serial killer or a killer or a villain and something and they don't actually give you a concrete reason why. It makes that person uh, much more terrifying, in my opinion, because he doesn't have a reason why. Michael, which means I'm not yeah. going to I'm not going to root for him. No, Michael Myers was that same way, but you don't root for Michael Myers now. What are you talking there's about? A di- hold on, there's a total fucking difference. There's a different. There's a difference. Hold on, I really want to say that there's a difference because there's a difference between your typical slasher film. I think there is meant to be a disconnect between the audience and what are supposedly supposed to be the protagonists. The only person you're ever supposed to be rooting for in a slasher film is the final girl, which yeah. is why you get all the, the she's she's virginal, she's you know I don't clean know, as driven snow. Like there's a reason why these archetypes exist for you to relate to because you kind of want it has to be a sense of um, you're rooting for the violence and the spectacularness of it because you know you can't digest that in a real world setting. 
Mm-hmm. I understand that part. I, I get now. Do I ever root for Freddy Krueger? Not as a not as a, like a like. There's a disconnect between me and him because he's not a real fucking thing. Yeah. These guys, the way they portray everything in this, like it's so human that there's no. I I can't imagine that there's anybody that's rooting for that root kid to get those. shot. <laughs> no, no, I don't. The, but that's the thing is like I don't think like. That's also what I think the point he's trying to make is, is as as a filmmaker, is that, you know, we had gotten to a point, and especially in two thousand seven, where horror was at a, at, a, at a level to where people are rooting for the bad guys, and he we got a movie to where it was like, honestly, when I first started watching this movie, I thought the family was corny, I hated them, I thought it was cheesy, and as the movie got went along and got more realistic and the terror got more terrifying. Like I was totally rooting for them. And the fact that he would not give me the win, the director would not give me the win of, of this family winning and and coming out on top, on top of these kids fucking pissed me off, which I thought was great. Yeah. That's, but you were, you were bringing something up about how at some point in the film, yeah, even in the middle and I'm the saying, end, you start to yes, uh, you start to with, root for the killers. So, did that happen with, in this film? No, no, no. I'm saying that's what I liked about this movie because in most horror movies around that time in 2007, you're mostly rooting for the bad guys like at that time. Face. I don't think I, uh, yeah, I don't exactly. think I root for the yeah, bad guy. I think exactly. what I root for in horror films, especially like slashers, is I, I love special effects. So I'm always just like, what's the next kill? Is it going to be like really spectacular? It's not. That's, yeah. It's not. I'm rooting for this person and what he stands for i'm rooting for the spectacle of the show we should take out the word rooting from this conversation because it's not about rah rah fucking go freddy it's like what is this fucking what's the appeal to this no exactly there's no that's not true though also what i'm trying like because there's people where there's times where i'm like you know what that fucking asshole is cheating on his girlfriend in this friday the 13th movie who's a real dick to the black guy the remake i'm talking about (laughs) Uh, you know what? I can't wait till he gets a machete yeah, but, in the but face. There, but there, but th- that's that's what I'm saying. There's there's a purposeful disconnect that they're trying to make between you and the people getting killed. But it also which got- is why the one girl that always survives is always somebody that has absolutely no fucking faults. Yeah. But they didn't give you that in this. Did like- this family have any faults? No. Had Nothing. Zero faults. They the, were the wife was a little bitchy up front, but you I know. mean, why? Because the guy was irritatingly asking her for eggs. Ninety five. <laughs> like, I right. mean, I, I can yeah, understand. No, I it drops her. I fucking think she bone sensed and, it. I think yeah. she sensed. She obviously she did. Did from the get go because, yeah. like, after he after he asked for eggs, she just after she asked like, what what for, hey, dude, and he said, I don't know. Somebody and she's walks like, in with uh, white gloves. I'm suspicious. I'm just gonna say <laughs> that somebody, somebody walks into my gated house. Listen, to my back door, and I'm like, I'm already like, who the fuck are you, and why are you in my, my home? Which is why I wanted to say that it was so important that we talked about Long Island, because this is clearly like a Hamptons thing. Like, that's a that's a typical fucking, mm-hmm. like, you know, young men walking around with fucking all white, like, right. with bull- eggs. Bullshit fucking golf at get-ups or tennis get-ups. Yeah. Get ready to go sailing. Blending in. Yeah. Boat <laughs> shoes and fucking low-rise That's what socks. you do when you go to the Hamptons, right? <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, yeah. I mean, so, I, I, I imagine. Not, I don't and know, so I imagine it's not unusual to yeah. see somebody like this. But even she said... Even she realized it's unusual to have somebody walk up to her back door yeah. when the property is in com- is completely fenced and gated in. Right. Like, you'd have to get in the water and right. swim to get there. So she realized that. I'm just saying, if it was me in the situation and a stranger walked up to the door, I wouldn't even fucking let him in. But, like, I don't fucking know who you are. Good thing we have movies like this to teach us that. That's right. We learned, <laughs> we learned fucking lessons on cult film and review. Well, How me- to survive... The world. Let me ask you guys this question: What did then? What did you think? Because it it did take me out of it. It was the most jarring scene, and it took me right out of the movie, and made me go: Is this maybe a lot more deeper than just a horror movie? What did you guys think of the rewind scene where he rewinds? That's just I didn't like it because I mean, there's me he breaks the fourth wall before that. He does. I, I have yeah. no problem yeah. with breaking a fourth wall whatsoever. I feel like they're... But don't you think that the rewind scene was trying to make some sort of... I don't know exactly what that statement may be. I know. I think I know what it is. I think that, I, I think that entire scene was simply, par- again, part of the... let's We're going to play off audience expectations. Yep. And the whole exactly. time you're there, you're thinking she's going to get a win. 
she gets the fucking win. And then he basically, I feel like the rewind scene was just the director's way of putting a giant middle finger on the screen and just aiming it at the audience. Yep, like, I think that's, fuck you. That's, that's absolutely 150% correct. <laughs> I didn't. Wow, that's I, a lot of correct. The, and, and here's the thing. I, I totally appreciate why he would do that. I mean, that's great. You, you just fucked with my emotions on it's been a scale. The whole film <laughs> on, a, on a scale that I can't even fucking like measure. But the thing I didn't like about it was the way he went about it. I thought it was cheesy. The real. Oh, where's the where's the remote? Let me click the rewind button and do it again. It's like, I, I, I don't know what other way you could do it, but I just thought that was like that was just overly silly for the tone of the film that I was sitting through. Mm. But I liked the middle finger, though. That's why I'm torn. I I think it again is just so super jarring to the rest of the film that it's it, it, very it, jarring it, to that the rest it's of the like film. that it, it that it you're right it is like a middle finger like oh I almost gave you what you wanted you know you all wanted to see one of us die yep. you got it but then I took it away from you I feel like I feel like that was the that that I mean that's the point in the film as soon as he hits the rewind button the film is over like every every any ounce of emotional hope connection or attachment anybody in the audience has to any of these characters he does it again it's done. Too. he does it again what no he doesn't it's... yeah he does he does the same fucking thing oh uh, with the knife you knew that knife wasn't gonna work yeah, but you know what? Like, what I'm saying is, like, pl- playing on these, like, popular fucking themes that you would see in a movie, everybody knows, like, if you fucking do a close-up on some object at the beginning of the f- of a film, yep. that motherfucker's gonna show up later on. I was sitting with the knife the, the, the entire be like, movie. Oh, you remember? You know, like, and that was one of those scenes where, it, 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 you know, again... As soon as they started getting in the boat, I was like, and fuck you for what you're about to do with this knife. Yeah, I, I like I, I knew that was gonna I distinctly remember watching it and like as soon as it saw him kick the knife, I was like, Oh, this knife's gonna come into play. This knife's gonna and as the film went on, it was still in the back of my mind, like, oh, well, there's still the knife. And then after that rewind scene, like, who fucking cares if there's a knife? She's dead. This is this ain't gonna work. And then that whole last scene where they're having this weird deep conversation, like, I was very disconnected because I knew She's just going to get pushed in the water or something, and then they're going to end up at another house. That was the whole reason they got in the boat to begin with. So it's just, yeah. It's a weird way to end the film. Because you lost me. You you took my hope away too soon, I think. Really? I don't yeah. think so. I didn't feel that way. I, don't, I, I agree. You actually thought there was a chance after no, that? No. At that point, anything felt game. Because it was like, it was Why? like now, now, we're, now we literally interjected something totally outside of like normal expectations of filmmaking that like, why wouldn't I expect something random to happen because after there, that? There was nothing <laughs> random about no, that. It was it was absolutely in line with the entire theme of the movie, which is, hey everybody, I we're gonna kill this family, and it's always gonna yes. be this way. And guess what? There's nothing gonna change in this once, whole film. Yeah, once you watch it, it that that makes sense. But if it's your first time through, I feel like this not was my at, first time through. Yes, but not everybody's going to try to predict that such scenario. For if me, I did not. If you're a good horror movie watcher, you'll. Pre- you're predicting everything. You no, know, and here's the thing is, I, I agree with you in the fact that you knew that that stuff was going to happen, right? Which, for me, at least, made the, I don't know, it made the suspense and it made the terror of it worse because it's like, this is just going to happen and this, I don't want this to happen and it's yeah, just going to happen. That, yeah. No, I, and I, fuck, it's going to And I happen. totally agree that. And the thing that I, again, I think I said this at the beginning of the show and I'll, I will praise this movie for like, um, building suspense, like I think he did a great job of it. I knew, I knew the concept of the film. I knew what was going to happen, but I couldn't help myself from getting ta- like carried away with the film because, again, like Mike pointed out, the acting was on point, on point, and you really bought into these characters. My thing was like, and, and I even think, I think even the director kind of. I don't know, but I even think the director kind of knew that last scene in the boat was kind of just like a throwaway because the way that it's even shot, it doesn't have the really long shot, long takes, and it's not as quiet as a lot of the other like long takes are. Like in the film, like in terms of the audio check, it's when there's like suspense and shit happening. There's Silent. nothing. It's not even like there's not even like room tone. But that scene, there's you hear birds, you hear waves rapping against the boat. You hear wind blowing, and the way that that sh- that shot is done, it's like such a quick shot of her trying to cut the thing. It's just like it's like a throwaway. Like you just fucking give can up I at t- this point. Can I tell you where he builds it back up, though? At least for me, it was 
was the fucking shot of the Chuck standing on the front of the boat as it's pulling into the dock of the uh, neighbors. With the red dock? Yep, because then again, you got the quietness. You got that one long yeah, the shot. Scene, the scene, that, that, yeah, the audio track completely drops yep. out again. Yep, you got that one long shot, and then it's starting right back over mm-hmm. again. I feel like that was supposed to be like almost your one your one thing of relief, and it's almost for the killers rather than for the audience, where it's like, um, here's this break for them where they can kind of just be themselves, but they're going to start up again right here, and it immediately starts up just like the film started, but just in a different way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know. That was it for me. Um, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll talk more about funny games. Wait a second. I'm going to play a little music for us. Alright guys, we're back. We're talking about funny games. I kinda wanna get into the technical stuff a little bit if we could. If you would uh indulge me. Um indulge away. Man, I have a hard time knocking this technically. I don't think there really is much. Whew. You can you can knock it. It is, is there? beautifully shot. I personally enjoy the, I, the the shots that are like five minutes long, ten minutes long. Yeah. <laughs> in this movie, I don't find them boring. There's always some sort of... Well, can I say there was one scene, um, the scene where she wa- goes out the window for the first time, and then it's like the shot of like a greenhouse next to a house. Right. I thought like my DVD had paused or something <laughs> like that, and I was like hitting it like, am I in pause? Because it was such a long shot where it was just that greenhouse. Yeah. And no, nothing was moving in the background. Yeah. I, I literally thought I that. Like, that. I, I think, I think if any weird. of the long shots could go away, it yeah. could be that because, I mean, there's not enough information in there for me to really gather any kind of sense of stress or uh, anxiety that the character was feeling because it's such a faraway shot. Yeah. But the rest of it, holy Man, fuck. Man, the way that they did the sound was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Also, just... You're Very right. minimalist. Very. And, it, like, man, it made some of those scenes so tense for made me. Made real. Yeah. Real life does not have a score. Nope. It's fucking weird creaks in a house. It's weird noises in the background. Like, you know, that's it. Definitely adds to the claustrophobic feel of the entire film. And, like, yeah. and, and it also accentuates the sound, the sounds you do get because there's so little of it that when you hear that NASCAR, you know, television show on, you know, during that scene, it's, like, so, like... It's almost ear piercing. No, yeah, it is, and I felt the same way her character did, which was just turn it the fuck off, right? Turn it off. Yeah, I can't <laughs> totally. deal with this anymore. Turn it off. And you know, it was relieving when she did, and the acting is just another level, top fucking notch, another level. Because I felt it was played correctly. Like, so coming into the film, like I said, I didn't really enjoy the family that much because it felt very Brady Bunch. Mm-hmm. And then as the movie went on, I was like, oh, that was the way it was supposed to feel. And now it's getting, as this terror is building and this this situation is unfolding, it's getting more real and the characters are getting more real. And I can't help but feel bad. There's even even simple scenes that that feel, uh, that felt very real with like when they're. they launch the boat and it's the father and son are in the boat and they're just setting up the mast and getting it all set up and it's like he had the dog barking and they both look over and it's just like oh whatever we'll get to it. I feel like that was a very human, very real reaction to that situation, you know. Like yeah. and the dog stops barking, they both kind of look for a while and just kind of like I'll check on it in a minute. It's like they're, they're like I I just feel like the actors in this film like played such human normal people so fucking well that you couldn't help but be kind of taken away or taken on the journey of the film a little bit i'm gonna tell you something the roth had a home run with this one tim roth yes he's been phenomenal in everything that i've ever seen him <laughs> true true but <laughs> man tim roth he, is a fantastic actor and he was great I mean, for this what, what i think the major shining point of the acting is is the subtlety of everything like because that's real life yeah and, yeah and it's just but but it's the it's how tense it can be in its subtlety 
Yeah. Like it, like you see it in Tim Roth's red, red bloodshot eyes. You know, you see it in a single tear rolling down the kid's face. Plus, they they gave it this whole like like magazine like kind of look to it. You know, it felt mm. clean. It yeah. was the way I would describe it. Clean. Like glossy magazine. Well, it, it's <laughs> definitely supposed to be clean. I mean, these guys are like the funny thing about it is like uh, these guys are wearing all white. They don't get a drop of blood on them until somebody puts a. A shotgun shell through its chest. You know what I mean? Like, I th- I found that weird that they're like shooting kids and shit like that, and there's blood all over the walls, there's blood over the ceilings, but their pristine white mm-hmm. yeah. clothes never get a drop on them. Right. Um, you know, one scene I do like too, and I, since we were on the topic of, of Tim Roth, the slap. Oh yeah, is yeah. a great scene because what I like about it is it shows. It's 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 a it's the move that someone would do when they have the reluctance, yes, of violence. You know yeah, what I mean? Right. Like he slapped him. He doesn't punch him. He doesn't like go all out. You know, a, a more aggressive person would have fucked the, fucked those kids up. <laughs> right, you know what I mean? Like right. you walk into like like fucking Marine's house or something. You're gonna fuck those kids up. You know what, <laughs> yeah. what I mean? He you can tell he's not a man that is 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 apt to violence he's probably never had to use it before right. so he does this move that is yes an attack but altogether so safe yeah <laughs> like it, it and it just reeks of that yep. yeah and i thought it said so much about his character mm-hmm. especially when at the end he just well, not at the end but like halfway through the fucking film when he's like i'm sorry yeah, I failed you. It's like as soon as, oh, he, as, soon as he says oh, that, as soon as he says "I'm sorry," it's like instantly my mind just flashes that scene of him slapping yeah. the guy, and it's like, I get it, man. I get where you're apologizing. Like, like you he could have went two ways. He could have said nothing, <coughs> and been like, maybe that would have saved them. Although I highly doubt that probably would have. No. Or he could have just been like, "Honey, get the gun." You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. he could have. I mean, honestly, like he could have listened to his wife. You know, he was like kind of resisting her too. Like, what's going on? Like, I don't understand well, the situation. Sure, yeah, like, there was a lot of that I think too. That Absolutely. also goes back to kind of on being a nonviolent kind of uh, personality. Well, you too. think the you think they're the neighbors, yeah, family or kids or whatever they're supposed to be. Which obviously they're doing the same thing to the neighbors. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're just yeah. walking through this town. Yeah. Well, that opening scene, you know, when they're pulling by the neighbor's house and they're like, "All right, we'll meet you later on," you know, yeah. and they just—it just seems so awkward. Like the, and they even talk about it in the car. They're like, "That was so weird. Why were they acting so strange?" You know. Who are those guys? And I, I, instantly, I'm like, "Oh fuck, here we go. Yep, here it is. There they are." But I like how that comes back into play at the house later with I, I, the dead body and the gun. And the shit. one thing that I'm kind of surprised nobody here has said, and I'll say probably my favorite. I don't know if I'll say my favorite actor, but the son is phenomenal for a child actor. Holy fucking hell, man! It had right? no, dude. I, he is. You know why I don't? So good. You know why I don't bring it up? Because I feel for that kid. I feel for what kind of levels I feel like he had to go to to get into that character and what he had to put himself through to to, to get into that dude that's not easy yeah. for a kid actor man <laughs> right exactly that's a terrifying thing that's a that is a fucking terrifying role to especially play especially with with like, like you brought up like okay I want you to act out all these really horrible scenes but I want you to do it subtly yeah like that that's that's like I feel like that's an advanced like there's not a lot of skill. dialogue in this movie from the family no. you know like like they're all through facial expressions, yeah, yeah. You know, and 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 let's not forget Naomi Watts, dude. She is insane in this movie because, like, as as good as she is, like, I think her character has to go through more than Tim Roth's character. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Like physically, maybe emotionally, yes. Tim Roth goes through something because of what you, the point you were making, Mike. But physically, like as an actress, like Naomi no, Watts, I think, I think is she, the I shining think, star. I, I think her character goes through the same emotions basically as Tim Roth does, but she, her character can't quit because she's not as injured as him. I, I, I also think she's the stronger. Yeah, she's no, definitely no. the stronger. I'm one. saying that too. I'm saying that too, and that's why she can't quit. Right, you right. know what I mean? Because yeah, like, it, 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 it would be easier for it would be easy for her to go. My son's dead. My life is over too, just like Tim Roth's character. But Tim Roth's character gave up long before the song "The Sun Died." I feel, I feel like, yeah, but I, I, I feel opinion. like, I, I feel like Tim uh, Roth's yeah. giving up has, yeah, I'm sure it has like a, a large portion to do with the fact that his son was just killed. But I feel like it was, it had way more to do with the fact that he 
probably felt somewhat responsible for right. again not but, taking action. But that weight, it, it, I feel like that weight is transferred from him onto Naomi Watts's character, and she has to carry it, and she does carry it. Yeah, throughout the movie. One thing I will say though about Tim Ross' character, he, I can't say he completely gave up because there is that scene after Naomi Watts is forced to take off her clothes. Um, he lunges and attacks uh, one of them, Paul or somebody, and then Naomi Watts runs over and starts fighting with them too. Yeah, and that's when the kid, the gets, kid fucking gets fucking out, shot. Right. Like, right, right. Uh, he, yeah, I don't he think he sprung for you know. I'm just gonna go for yeah, it. Yeah, I don't think he totally gives up until after that kid is dead. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, I think that the bread just, scene for sure, just taking it and throwing it out of his just, mouth. Like, yeah. it's just so like I don't fucking give a shit about anything anymore. I have a question, technical question for everybody here. Because this is something about this film that I found interesting, and I want to know what everybody's take on it is. Why is none of the violence of the family shown, but the one time that you do see violence like that, that that is that shotgun shell with the bad guy? I think we talked about that at the very, very, very beginning of this when we started recording was like. We we t- we talked about like oh the, it was scary because the the violence was off scene well, yeah but there is a there, what was the manipulation there because the manipulation there is 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 quite simple it's the manipulation of not showing the actual act of violence causes the audience to create something bigger and and more more terrifying in their mind but the act of showing the violence against the bad guy was there to help give the audience that that wind that they were looking for, that feel of excitement. Okay. I, I agree with it. It was, it was the gotcha moment. Mm -hmm. It was the, it was the, here we're giving you what you want. You get to see one of these bastards die. Uh, It's going to be horrific and violent. And then we're going to immediately take it away from you because these people are finally getting what they deserve. They're finally getting the, the, the justice that they deserve and you're getting to see it and you're happy with it. Yeah. Totally, and then we're gonna take it away from you because you know what? In our world, it's not real. Because I'll I'll admit, like by the time I get to that point and I see that dude get shot, I'm like, whoa, fuck yeah! Yep. And then I'm like, did everyone? Never mind. Did everyone do that? Yeah. Did everyone do that? Yeah. yeah. And okay. I've seen it more than yeah. once, but I, I yeah. always yeah. Kyle was there when he saw me do yeah. it. I was I like, like fuck yeah! In. I knew what was happening because I already seen it before. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna see how Mike handles this scene. And that was my reaction. Was like the, the one moment. It was the only, you know, unfortunately, the, the one. Well, we'll get to it. <laughs> we'll get, we'll to, get to, that. to it. With that being said, let's rate this mammer jammer. What are we rating it, Chris? Uh, I think I want to go with eggs. I think that's appropriate. Sure. Yeah. I'll go next. I'm going to give this. <laughs> I'll go next. <laughs> <laughs> You'll go first. I'll, I'll go next. Because I'm used to saying that. I'll go next. Uh, I will give this four and a half. I will go that high. Um, do I think it's a cult film? No. Do I think it will ever be a cult film? I don't think so. Honestly, I kind of agree with Mike on this one. I don't think it will ever be a cult film. If there will be one, it will be the original, but I don't even think the original is a cult film. No, I don't, I, not that I've heard. I mean, I don't. But what I will say is this is a masterfully put together movie. Um, and I want to watch it again. And it, it it's rare that I get scared by movies anymore. And this movie scared the fucking shit out of me. <laughs> um, as a person who has a family and has a kid, like I couldn't help but put myself in that situation. Um, and it mortified me because it's like you never know. You never know. It could be someone that you think it's the next door neighbor, or just that sense of doubt which is brought throughout the whole film of like, are these people going to make it? You have that sense of doubt. I don't know. And it's always taken away from you. I I just got to, I don't know, man. I really, really didn't think I was going to like this film to, to begin with. And then I was fucking sold by the end of it. Four and a half for me. Go watch it. I think it's a great film. Nice. Uh, let's go with Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, funny games. I've never seen it before. Um, I've been interested in checking it out because I have seen it pop up on my queue every once in a while on Amazon as a suggested film for me. Um, I'm going to give this movie probably a four. Um, there's some stuff that I could definitely... There's some stuff I can I I could knock forward, and we already talked about, talked about before, which is like the whole 
the same director making the same film 10 years later thing. Like, I definitely would much rather check out the original now just to see how they compare. But the stuff that the director does right in this film, and I'm sure in the original one, are in terms of anxiety and suspense, I I bought into the film, which is, is ridiculous because I knew exactly the concept of the film. So I bought into it. And I think I bought into it because the acting in this film is on fucking point. Phenomenal acting from everyone. So it made it feel more real. It made it feel more. And I was like, you know, breathing heavy in a lot of scenes because there's a lot of these long takes where the cinematography is on fucking point. Where he frames shots. Incredible. Um, yeah, I, I don't really know what else to say. So I'm just going to go say four and you should to- totally check this movie out. Yeah, there you go. That is four from Kyle. Let's go with Mike next. I'm giving this movie a two. And the reason why I'm giving it not not a one or even a half of a star is because um, the acting and the cinematography are fantastic and they're, they're spot on. But this is the red hot nickel ball of fucking films. <laughs> and, and by that I mean if anybody has seen those, those videos, it's an experiment that is done where you absolutely know what the fucking ending is going to be and it's altogether completely unnecessary. Like, do I... What, what happens when a red-hot nickelball hits a guitar? It's going to fuck up that guitar. Like, I don't... It's going to burn yeah, it. Is it. Am I going to be dazzled by the white-hot fucking nickelball burning through wood? Yeah, to some extent, as much as I would see any fire would, 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 would excite me in any way. And... Yeah. It, 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 but it's not anything new, and it's not anything that isn't predictable, and that's how I felt about this film. I don't understand what what the what the interest is in uh, meddling with what we know about of certain film uh, uh, storylines and plot lines, and like fiddling with them. Yeah, if you fiddle with shit like that, if you're expecting one thing, and then you tell somebody ahead of time, we're gonna change it up and watch what's gonna happen. Like I already know what's gonna happen. I already know what's going to happen. If I if I was like, it, it's not like Psycho, where you absolutely believed that this woman was going to survive, and then she dies like right in the middle, like right in the beginning of the film. You thought she was the big, you know, she's she's the woman that's going to survive. Obviously, this is the heroine, and she's going to get through this, and she's going to stop the Psycho at the end, and mm-hmm. and then she dies in the first like goddamn third of the film, or not even that, you know. That was something that wasn't it wasn't told to you though. He didn't like it's not like Hitchcock came out and said we're going to kill the fucking main character right off in the first 10 15 minutes of the film. This film again, it, all it's proving to me is stuff that they're telling me is already going to make me feel a certain way. So in which case why the fuck do I need to see it? I already know that's going to happen. Other than that, like I'm trying to even think what else I fucking hate about this film, quite honestly. <laughs> Like, it, it irritated me. Oh, I don't understand, like, the story structure. Again, yes, this is a big, giant, hour-and-a-half-long experiment that ultimately has two moments of conflict, really. When he gets shot, and then you're like, oh, maybe something's going to happen here, and then they rewind the fucking thing. And then right at the very end with the fucking knife. Other than that, it's basically watching a waterfall flow. Like... Yeah, it's gonna keep gonna go. It's gonna keep going. Nothing's gonna stop this waterfall from flowing. Like it, it just doesn't feel like it's even a story or it has any conflict to it. Mm. It just feels like let's watch people die for you know. Let's watch you know. Uh, let's go on Reddit and watch watch people die and watch videos over and over and over again. Like yeah, like there's no there's no cat there's nothing there's nothing happening. It's just the cruel the cruel uh, uh, torturing of a family. With no hope or or any signs of life in existence, but if you're interested in watching some top notch fucking acting, <laughs> like right up there, like I'll agree with that. God damn, did they get two great actors to do this? And mm-hmm. the kid, and the kid. So three, it, even everyone. Let's just say the killers are great too. <laughs> They're great, but again, experiment unnecessary too. Chris, I I, I have to uh, vote. Uh, or base this vote, or it's not really a vote, is it's not it? A vote. Nobody's voting. Okay, yeah. all right. Let You're me start over. <laughs> okay, yeah. I have to. No, I have to go a little bit more emotional on this. While while I feel like you could break down the story pretty hard, and 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 say it's it's predictable. That that's not what really means anything to me when it comes to this film. For me, 
it's it's the emotion that it's able to to conjure up inside of me. I don't have a family, but I do get connected to these characters to the point where I'm feeling like sick by the end of it because of what's happening to them. I'm uh, like dazzled by the way these two weirdos can manipulate a family and put them in this position. Um, the editing style, the like the cinematography, everything captures me and puts me in this place, in a, this uncomfortable place. So, you know, for me, when I first saw it, it was really impactful. And like, you know, obviously the acting is phenomenal. Like it pretty much is what carries this entire film because it's all, it's a big conversation piece pretty much with subtle, uh, subtle uh, scenes of, of tension that grow into, um, you know, more violent things that happen, but they're creative with it. They don't show you everything. So they leave it to your imagination. I think this movie is super well crafted and uh, maybe it will never be a cult film, but it's certainly one that should be watched and, and, and maybe even studied in some cases. Um, so for that, I have to give it a four and a half. Um, this, this is a movie I can watch, you know, over and over again and pull something small away from it each time. All right, guys, there you have it. Funny Games falls in the category of not a cult film, but should be along with Congo. (laughs) 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 Sitting right next door. I feel like we should should create a new new section on the website. Not a cult film, but should be. Yeah, yeah, those two films are right in there. Uh, That's our show for this week. Make sure you uh, leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us out. We really appreciate it, and we will give you a shout-out on the show. Make sure you follow us on social media at cultfilm underscore review on Instagram and Twitter. You can also follow us on Facebook. You can follow Mike at, at Mike Salusio on Twitter. You can follow. Fast as I can get. <laughs> that was so fast. <laughs> you can follow Chris at <laughs> cultfilm underscore Chris on Instagram. And you can follow Kyle at. Oh, I got the little one this time. I got the, I got the wispy one. Beef. Yeah. It's yeah. almost like a question. <laughs> you can follow me on Instagram at coltfilm underscore Kyle. And you can follow me at VHS Collector on Instagram. Don't forget to go to the website. Don't forget to go to our website, www.cultfilminreview.com. All the latest news stories in cult film. All the latest podcasts from Cult Film and Review. Just there at your fingertips. Fingertips. Go ahead and download it. Fingertips. Download the website. I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. Download That's it. the website. That's it. That's how I know. That's how I know it's the end of our show. I don't even know what I'm you saying. You could download anymore. like an archive page of the website. <laughs> what would be the point? where would you store that? Eh, you know, anywhere. Yeah, you know, you Google you know, Drive. Maybe you have an external drive. Yeah, oh, maybe. External anywhere drive. you want. Maybe if you take that you with you on your flight. Just do no. a flash. You know, they're 64 gigs now. <laughs> you won't get updates. You know, because they're another 64 no, gigs now. They're actually like 120. Damn. All right, guys. So just remember, if you're going to join a cult, make sure they watch good movies. We'll see you next week.